I really believed in the reason we were doing it. And so I knew that if we'd had more farm to preschool programs or farm to keiki became a thing in Hawaii and the rest of the world, I knew that we could do something about climate change, about children's health, about our education system and the way children learn. So I knew the impact was more important than my fear. Hey, everybody. I'm Julie, and welcome to Women with Cool Jobs. Each episode will feature women with unique, trailblazing, and innovative careers. We'll talk about how she got here, what life is like now, and actionable steps that you can take to go on a similar path or one that's all your own. This podcast is about empowering you. It's about empowering you to dream big and to be inspired. You'll hear from incredible women in a wide variety of fields, and hopefully some that you've never heard of before. Women who build robots and roadways, firefighters, C-suite professionals surrounded by men, social media mavens, entrepreneurs, and more. I'm so glad we get to go on this journey together. Hey everybody, this is Julie and welcome to another episode of Women With Cool Jobs. I am so excited for you guys to listen today because I am talking with Tiana Kamen, who was born and raised on the island of Kauai. So she has been in the farm to school movement for more than a decade and she has developed this amazing curriculum and an amazing book it's a farm to keiki program for kids. She was really an early pioneer in her state of Hawaii when it came to this area. And she was a founding member in two different Hawaiian professional groups. She also was recognized by Michelle Obama's Let's Move Childcare Initiative for her leadership in this farm to early and childcare education movement. So she has done so many cool things. Her book is amazing in and of itself because it has all these gorgeous, colorful pictures and really wonderful lessons that are so comprehensive on cooking, gardening, and nutrition. So she really takes these young kids for, you know, for this amazing journey through how they can interact with nature in a very hands-on way, a very sensory way. And she incorporates all these things having to do with nutrition, with cooking, with history, with books and reading, and they get to do art projects. And so it's just so incredible from my standpoint as a parent, but also from the instructional design perspective, because it's like she... She was able to create something yet so simple like eating, right? We eat every day. We eat three times a day. If you're, if you have kids, you know that they eat like way more than that. I feel like my kids eat at least five times a day. And so, you know, the idea of incorporating these super healthy lifestyle choices into everyday meals and fun projects is so brilliant. She has taken her passion And she has trained so many teachers over the years. Last year alone, in 2019, she trained over 500 preschool teachers around the state of Hawaii. And I think that is incredibly impressive, being that there's only 365 days of the year. So with that, she has had this huge impact on people in her community, and she's had impact on 
the children in her community, and also just the ability to learn about nature and to be in harmony with nature. I hope that you really enjoy this conversation and that you get so much out of it about following your passion and about really asking for support and help along the way. Hi, Tiana. Thank you so much for being a guest on my show. So I understand you're recording from the beautiful island of Kauai in Hawaii. How are you doing? Oh, aloha, Julie. Thank you so much for having me. Um, I'm doing wonderful. It's um, beautiful and our garden's growing great and couldn't ask for anything better. That sounds amazing, especially because we're uh, baking currently in here in Arizona in the desert. So I, I have to be very jealous of the ocean and anything green. <laughs> yeah, it's been it's been a really hot summer, but it's been gorgeous and the water has been perfect temperature. So one day, hopefully everyone will come to visit again. <laughs> Yeah, I well, believe me, I definitely would love to be one of those people when we get to it. And have you have you been doing anything new or learning anything new during your time at home? Oh, you know, I have been surfing a lot more because <laughs> that's one of the activities we're allowed to do. And I've that's awesome. Yeah, it's been great. And I've actually been learning how to grow some new things in our garden because we really wanted to just become as sustainable as possible. Since about 90% of our food is shipped into Hawaii, and we really wanted to be able to be self sufficient. So I've been growing some unique things. And this year was my first crop of onions. And that was really exciting for me. So, um, so yeah, I think some of the new things is just expanding my horizons on the things that we grow. That's wonderful. Well, it sounds, I mean, it sounds fun. I love looking at new plants growing. So that sounds exciting for sure. And so that is actually a perfect segue. So I would love to start off and talk to you about where you are in your life now. And I was hoping if you could share what you do. And tell us about your wonderful Farm to Kiki program. Sure, thank you. So I'm a nutritionist and I'm also an environmental educator. And for the last 10 years, I've been creating a program called Farm to Kiki. Kiki means child in Hawaiian. And this program is all about encouraging our schools, especially our preschools and early childhood education sites, to grow gardens, to purchase locally grown foods, and to teach children about environmental and agriculture education. So it's basically farm to school. And I've been currently working on educating preschool teachers throughout the state of Hawaii, as well as just published a book called Farm to Keiki, Cooking, Gardening, and Nutrition with Children. And so I've been training teachers on this curriculum throughout the state. I know you mentioned that you actually trained last year, I believe it was 500 preschool teachers. Is that correct? Yes, it was a big year. Yeah. I got all my traveling done before we couldn't do that anymore. <laughs> yeah, well, that, that's a lot of teachers. And was that something that you had done before was was doing that teacher training or was this something new specifically because you just released your book? Yeah. So about 10 years ago when I began the program, it started with an initial teacher training. And this was at a time when 
I didn't know much about the subject either. Even I just knew that these farm to school really had to happen. So I was doing trainings in the beginning, but really not to this extent. Okay. Yeah. And I know that I got a look at your book and it's so beautiful. It made me want to go to Hawaii and eat all those amazing foods, the colors, and um, some of them I've never tasted, but they were, they just sounded so delicious. And some of the recipes you had, I was, you know, excited. And even for my kids, it, for some of them, we could get those, those ingredients here. And I would love to try those. It's just such a lovely book, so many beautiful colors, and it was so neat to see how you had created so much curriculum based around, you know, those little kids and bringing something, you know, the farm and beautiful vegetables and fruit to the table and to their schools. Yeah, well, it's it's definitely, it's taken me about 10 years to create this final product of the book. And throughout those 10 years, I really learned that there is so much abundance in Hawaii and other places in the world. And most of our children and adults never have had the opportunity or experience to eat any of these foods. So we really end up having a pretty bland diet that leads to a lot of diet-related diseases, obesity and heart disease. So the more beautiful I could make this book and the more exciting it was for people to do, then I was hoping the more that we could uh, increase the diversity in folks' palates. So I'm glad you like thought it was beautiful. That was the purpose. <laughs> it, was, it was. It was gorgeous. So um, you, you definitely did an amazing job putting it together. I was very impressed. And I, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about the background of, you know, why you chose to do this. I know you mentioned that there was a childhood obesity issue within the state of Hawaii. And I was wondering if you could speak to that in relation to creating this book. Sure. So I think I could go a little further back in. I've always been very concerned about the environment and always wanted to protect her and take care of her. And in college, I did study environmental studies and sustainability. And I got to a point where I really wanted to do something for the whole world and work internationally. And I came home one summer and I realized that all the issues that were happening around the world with climate change, with um, our broken food systems, with obesity, they were all happening in my home in Hawaii and sometimes even more so. So I found that if I could create a solution or be part of a solution that we could do really well in Hawaii, then we could do really well anywhere else because we're an island and a lot of our little communities, they're like little islands. And so as I started to dig deeper, I learned about the farm to school movement and a nonprofit approached me and asked if I'd help them to start the Kauai School Garden and Farm to School Network. And this was all about um, encouraging local schools to have gardens and garden education and get local foods into the cafeterias. And the whole reason for this was multifold, but one of them was definitely the obesity epidemic that's happening with children. Okay. And so I was helping K through 12 schools. And then I realized that, gosh, there were so many different difficulties dealing with the cafeteria and laws 
and with the mass amounts of foods that we needed without having the proper farmers or farm food on the islands. And then I went to a conference in California and I sat by a woman on the bus and she told me that she was working on a farm to preschool project. And this farm to preschool project was so important because she said we were getting to the children's we're helping to change their food preferences while they were creating them. So that's before age five. And I realized that was such a great point. We weren't really getting to the kids early enough. We were really fighting them to not eat their spam musubis and instead eat something else. You know, when really, if we didn't from the start, we could have a, a hand up and they would be craving and wanting these foods. One other thing the woman told me is that one out of every three children in California was obese or overweight before age five. And this is what wow. really, really shocked me. Um, and as I dug deeper into the numbers, realized that this was nationwide and in Hawaii too. And if there are children of Pacific Islander or Hawaiian descent, one out of every two children are obese or overweight before age five. So, after I heard all this information, I started um, my own little program. I was working for a nonprofit, but asked them if it was okay if I started a separate program just focusing on preschool because I saw that the change was really important and that there was no support for this. Nobody was really working on this just yet. And so that's how I got into it. <laughs> That's incredible. And so I was wondering, you know, when you sat next to that woman on the bus, like, were, was it like a light bulb moment for you? Were you like, oh my gosh, like I should go down this path? Or did you just sort of find it interesting? What, what was that like, you know, when you're thinking back on it? Yeah, it was like a lightning bolt <laughs> or so. And I, <laughs> I remember getting so excited um, her name was Zoe Phillips, and I remembered I remember every detail of the moment. That's how excited I was. And at the end of the conversation, I even asked her, I was like, well, how would I start one of these projects in Kauai? Like, would you be able to help me? And she said, actually, our grant is supposed to be helping other places to do farm to preschool. And so we will give you all of our curriculum, our evaluations, like whatever you need to do it, we will help you. And so that was really exciting for me because not only did I have this light bulb and I knew it just felt right, but I also gained a mentor at the same time who was helping me instead of having to create all these new things, especially of a topic yeah. I was just learning about myself, that she was there to really help me get started. And then from there, I could create it as my own um, with a, a twist for Hawaii. That's an incredible opportunity. And the fact that you just happened to sit next to her on a bus, like, that's awesome. It just seems like it was meant to be. Yeah. I mean, and I think it's so important to pick up on those things. And even though they, it wasn't in my path, that wasn't what I was going there to learn. It ended up, um, I'm very grateful for her and for that moment and realizing it. Do you, like, looking back, do you feel like that was a really big pivot point for your life? I do. I do. I mean, I was young. I was 23 or 24 at the time. And I was very excited about this whole life 
trajectory that I was on <laughs> in general. I just started this brand new job helping to create the school garden network on Kauai. And I felt like after so many years of college and searching for and traveling the world, searching for what I wanted to do to contribute to the world, I felt like I found my purpose. And that felt really good. And it, it really gave me the strength over all these years to navigate through the not so easy farm to school or nonprofit world. <laughs> yeah. Looking back, you you start to discuss that, you know, you met this woman on the bus and and things kind of you know, shifted and you you followed this path. So what were those next steps like? How did you have the confidence to start pursuing this? Was it because you had this woman as a mentor? You know, I think part of it was I was already in a secure job um, working for the nonprofit. At first, I started volunteering for my farm to school job. And then once we had funding, it was my first full-time job, I think, outside of odd eds and jobs when I was younger. And so I felt the security of the nonprofit I was working for. And I also felt really um, supported in that she was providing me with this mentorship and the documents already made. But I think also something that really contributed was I started to reach out to all different types of groups and people around the islands that were doing similar work or that could teach me farming or that could teach me about this or that, um, that were doing similar programs. And that was really my strength. So I helped to, as I started to reach out to folks, I became really involved and engaged in um, different work groups around the islands and nationwide. So basically, it sounds like you were building your own network, right, of of people who could help support you. Is that correct? Yeah. So, so part of it is I was trying to build this network of, on my own island, of these teachers and trying to find people to bring into this network to support them. But then at the same time, I was building a network of folks in my position. And the cool thing was, is so were they. Everybody was paving this new road, a farm to school, especially farm to preschool. That was totally brand new. And so we all were looking to each other for best practices. And we were looking to each other to um, help the movement forward. Um, we were working a lot on legislation and trying to change and pass legislation to get support. And then we were, this, the camaraderie made it really fun. It made it really exciting being part of all of these groups uh, nationally and statewide and on the island. So it was it was fun and supportive. Fun and supportive are always wonderful things to have when you're creating something new and, um, you know, other resources, too. For when you did reach out to people, how did you go about that? You know, what did you look for? How did you search for people to connect with? You know, it was very organic. I should say, um, and <laughs> I'm a very kind of outgoing person who can talk to anybody. So I feel like one thing just led to the next, like, oh, you should talk very, we call it the coconut wireless in Hawaii, you know, we should oh, talk to so-and-so, or you should talk to this person. Um, they're doing this. But I was really, I guess I was looking for what I needed at specific times. And sometimes I didn't know what those were until I was in the groups. Or I would just kind of go with my gut. So we, I went to a school garden conference on Hawaii Island, on the big island. 
and it was they were the only people who were hosting these big conferences to get gardens going in their state and I was so inspired by everyone and what they did at the meeting was after the conference was done they invited the key person who was helping with school gardens from every island or all the organizations and they brought us all together to say hey do you want to start this coalition we need each other we want to build this movement in Hawaii who here wants to be part of this and it was very organic and all of us just came together and we said yes and this year is actually our 10-year anniversary of that group and it's really grown and the movement's grown so I think sometimes you you're not always even searching for it, but it finds you. <laughs> yeah, it, it sounds like it definitely found you. And it's that's a wonderful resource, right? It sounds like even for today, 10 years later, the fact that it's grown and still going. Yeah, and I think another other examples is like with our national farm to preschool work, um, the woman Zoe, who included me in her, who was the woman from California I met, she was one of the first people to do farm to preschool on a big scale. And so there were some movements going around nationwide that she was part of, and she invited me to participate. So I think on other terms is when you get yourself out there, those people want to find you and they want you to be part of it because we're all building something new. Right. You know, and talking about when you were building the program, what were those next steps when you were trying to go through the process of taking what you had gotten from, you know, your mentor who is based in California and then trying to transition everything to, you know, your your home island and then state what was that transition like and you know what were the steps that you took to create it, you know, and specialize it for for you and what your needs were there. Yeah, so, um It took me about a a year to change or adapt the curriculum to Hawaii because we have totally different seasons and cultures. And I really knew that I needed to personalize it with the things that I felt were very important from here and that were culturally respectful. Um, But at the same time, it's really important not to just take someone's work and go. We want to take the best practices, but give it our own spin so that folks from wherever you are are going to be really excited about it. So that took process took a long time. At the same time, I kind of hit the ground running and we went and we gave a, we wanted to get the program going and I had very little funding for it. So one of the first things was to get funding. Um, but before that even happened, we were trying to figure out you know, what the program would look like. And so I teamed up with another local um, group. It was called Get Fit Kauai. And we were actually taking tobacco resettlement money and doing good programs for the island. And so they chose my program as a pilot program. And I went and I gave a talk about this new curriculum I found and that we wanted to adapt it for Hawaii. And we were looking for pilot schools. We're going to give you, we had a little bit of funding to give them um, kitchen supplies and gardening supplies, and I'll give them a training and the curriculum. And we had 50 people in the room and every single one of them signed up. <laughs> and so, wow. of course, and this is, I'm still 24. I didn't know, well, I've never ran a pilot. I've never ran a program. <laughs> I was never an educator. Um, and so I had a, a partner and 
from the community who was working with me on this. And she says, I'll sign up, I'll help you. And the women who were, who were the funders from the tobacco resettlement money said, yeah, we'll, we'll, let's try it out. Let's do this project. So when I was supposed to take one or two pilot schools, I took, or how many, I'm not, I can't remember how many pilot schools. It was a long time ago, but we ended up saying all 19 preschools that signed up serving 550 kids could join on. Looking back, that was crazy and so ambitious for not having a lot of money to do it. But at the same time, I was just like, I want to make this happen. So the teachers were really great and they were really excited about it. And at the same time, very patient while I formed the program while they were doing it. (laughs) Because every month I'd be like, I'm going to give you a new curriculum. Hold on. (laughs) So... That's incredible. So do you feel like I mean, because that just to me listening to you, I mean, going from what you thought would be a very sort of small launch, and then to this clearly very large launch is quite an undertaking. How did you have the confidence to I guess, just like go for it and, and make it happen? What did you think about it? Or were you nervous while you were doing it? What what were your thoughts when that happened? And you had all these people sign up? Oh, yeah, I was extremely nervous. My fault is perfectionism. And so I really wanted the curriculum to be perfect, and this to be perfect, and the evaluation to be perfect. And I think I was a little hard on myself. And it was very stressful. (laughs) But um, at the same time, I just I felt so supported and by the folks who were my partners that I found through this project. And I was really supported by my, um, the executive director of the nonprofit I was working at at the time, as well as friends and family and the media every, and the teachers, everyone was excited. So I kind of just didn't even think about being nervous and just did the best I could. Yeah. Were you concerned about making mistakes or did you feel so supported that you felt like if you made mistakes, it would be okay and you'd fix it and, you know, move on? Were you concerned in that way? Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I felt like then and still today, I just didn't know enough about the topic. I wasn't an expert yet. <laughs> Even today. Yeah, I still feel that way. Now yeah. I'm like, okay, the reason I finally published my book is I was like, okay, I think I'm... I'm finally there. But um, it. I was really just, I really believed in the reason we were doing it. And so I knew that if we had more farm to preschool programs or farm to keiki became a thing in Hawaii and the rest of the world, I knew that we could do something about climate change, about children's health, about our education system and the way children learn. So I knew the impact was more important than my fear. And that's what I think kept me going most is the why and the reason we were doing it. I love that. It's, I think it bears repeating that the impact was more important than your fear. I think, you know, it's like, if you find that, that purpose, you see the vision, that's a great thing to just keep going and make it work. And so that's incredible. And here you are 10 years later. So (laughs) yeah, if I look back on it, and and still today, I tell myself this, if I try, if I stop trying to make things so perfect, I could have got more a lot more accomplished. (laughs) And and it's those mistakes and those things that aren't perfect that I think teach us the most and teach the people who we're with the most. And then we could go back and shift rather than wasting so much time trying to make it all perfect. 
I know perfectionism is is a hard thing. I I have that too. And so it's definitely, you know, something that it's a balance, right? Because you want the the product to be so amazing and to serve this purpose and to help people. But then, yeah, like actually, what could you do if you weren't worried about being perfect and you just were were doing it? You know, what what would we accomplish? So after you started training all the teachers there, what happened at that point? <laughs> so it was crazy, but really exciting. I was so grateful to have my teammate who was, she was in charge of 4-H from our extension, university extension office. Her name was Laura. And she was, she was much older than me and so organized. And she really taught me how to be organized, which I realized we needed for when we had so many schools and so many children. And I, I wasn't dealing with all the children specifically, except for to do some evaluation tests. But it was really exciting. And it was fun, especially when working together with this woman, Laura, and all the teachers, they wanted us to come in more than I had time for. And I think that's when I realized the program had to have some sort of replicability. And that's what made me think of making this more of a a, a bigger or a statewide program or it needed more support. And so from there, I branched off from the nonprofit that I was working with. I wasn't so passionate about K through 12 schools anymore. I really believed in changing our children's habits before age five while they were growing them. And so I decided to get my own nonprofit fiscal sponsor. That means it's a, I can work under a nonprofit. And so this wonderful woman, she sponsored me as her to be a project under her nonprofit. And so Farm to Cakey was born. And um, wow. yeah, and I started just making relationships with other, trying to grow the program. And so within that point, it was really about raising the funds to do the projects. And so... I was really um, writing a lot of grant proposals and working with folks like our Department of Health and really wonderful organizations around Hawaii and a couple on the mainland to try to get this program going. But I think if I looked back at it, I realized that it was really difficult to do by myself and that I probably could have got a lot more done if I had a partner in crime. Yeah. How did you go about managing that all by yourself? Were you still working at another full-time job at this point? Yeah, actually. So Farm to Cakey kind of became my my little pet project, <laughs> more so than a full-fledged um, program at the time. And so I became an environmental educator at the most amazing botanical garden, Limahuli Botanical Gardens. That was definitely my dream job. <laughs> I was at a um, a gorgeous botanical garden that stretched from the mountains to the ocean. Wow. And so I was given the opportunity to be the field trip lady. So as the um, education specialist, I would take children from all over the island and even different islands or or even professors sometimes around the botanical garden and do service projects um, or just teach them about plants and how to use them. 
during my time there, I ended up teaching about 2,000, a little over 2,000 children. So I got to have really important experience with all different types of children from many different age groups. So I could really see what was making them tick and answer what are the questions they were asking and what were they engaged in? And so that really helped me in understanding some best practices for teaching farm to cakey or earth-based education. And then also when I was there, I had the task of taking care of all the Polynesian introduced plants. So that's all the the canoe plants, we call them, the taro, bananas, turmeric, uh, sweet potatoes, sugarcane, all of those foods, as well as creating a community-supported agriculture farm. So across the street of the garden, I was given the task to actually grow food for our community. And it ended up being that I was growing food for most of our staff, and many of who never ate vegetables. And so... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it was great because I got to talk. I love um, my coworkers. We we're Ohana. We we're family. And Aww. I got to really ask them, what would you like me to plant? And would be able to plant the things that they wanted and to how fun that was and see how they would use them or show them how I would use them. And so I got to really experience deeply how to use food. And from there... I felt a lot more confident with teaching children, with the act of actually growing food for other people, with engaging folks who do not like fruits and vegetables to really like them. And at the same time, when I was at the garden, it opened up this new space for me with using food as medicine. There was a lot of um, problems with the community we were working with, with obesity and with lack of access to foods and um, healthy foods. And so I started getting very interested in teaching children about the plants that were growing around us that were good for diabetes and good for heart disease and good for cancers, all different things. And I realized it was really important for me to dive deeper into this information because people, the children started to Actually, I should go back. I was really excited about the information that I was learning about how these foods could be medicine. And when I would anecdotally tell them to the children, they would ask, oh, my my grandma, she has um, diabetes. Can I take those leaves? I was like, yeah, sure. Or, oh, my tutu, my, my grandma has cancer. Can I take the turmeric? And we're like, yeah, like, I wouldn't know how to use them. Um, I just knew that that was the upcoming research and or wow. traditional uses. And so from there, it was my biggest discovery that um, before I finished my curriculum, this new Farm to Cake edition, I really needed to learn the details of how to safely use foods as medicine so that not only are they safe, but so that they work. And so that's what drove me to get my master's degree in nutrition and leaving my perfect favorite job, Farm to Cakey, still on the side, to get my master's of science in nutrition at the National University of Natural Medicine. And was that a really hard decision? Because I I can imagine if that was like the most amazing job with views of mountains and oceans and helping kids and adults and 
I mean, that sounds incredible to me. Like I would, I, <laughs> I think I would be happy doing that. That was that a really tough decision to oh, leave. Yes, I still think about being back there all the time. Um, at the same time, I think for for where I was in my life, it served its perfect purpose, and I did not get paid very much at all. <laughs> As was, probably right, many fun, very wonderful jobs. Right, we are not we paid were, enough. Right. We were a nonprofit. And if I ever make a lot of money, I'm definitely giving it back to that organization. That's my hope is that, you know, now moving out of that realm and can actually be really successful. So I can give it back to the programs that I really believe in like that. My, my boss at the time, he was really supportive of me going to get my master's degree. And he said, nothing can replace your education and what this will allow you to do and the doors that it will open. Yeah. It it sounds like that support from your boss really pushed you out of the nest a little bit, like give you a bit of a nudge, right? Yes. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, here you are flapping away. Yeah. (laughs) So that's amazing. And so it sounds like after you got your degree and went off, you know, pursued that path, then came back to Hawaii. At that point, what were you doing then? Like, were you pursuing your current, your current business, the farm to Kiki and the program? Were you doing that full time? Or was that still part time? So interestingly, throughout all my years of being an environmental educator at the Botanical Gardens, I kept doing farm to Kiki on the side, and I was continuing to be on all these boards and groups like our Hawaii Farm to School Hui, our group. And so within that, I had all these, the Farm to Preschool was really growing nationally and statewide. So I was being invited to um, speak at conferences nationwide, the National Farm to School Conference and different special meetings they had. And so I was still on the radar of what was going on. And I really still cared about the program mostly I wanted to get this program going so I could walk away and become a nutrition consultant or, you know, this was my new dream job. I was more of the entrepreneur mindset where I wanted to start something. I wanted it to be really awesome and then start something new. (laughs) While I was in college, I actually worked on a contract with the Department of Health and Department of Education in Hawaii to recreate this farm to Keiki curriculum or not recreate it, to make it, to publish it online. And um, they just wanted 15 recipes and 15 lessons. And then I created this whole book. <laughs> and wow. So I, I felt like I couldn't create it though until I was finished with school. And so even though I had that contract going, when I came home, it was great because my first job out of my master's program was for me. <laughs> it's my own, uh, it was for Farm to Keiki because I already... I had this contract lined up. And the focus, I think, you know, having young kids myself on that zero to five age range, I think is just so brilliant because the idea of getting them before they're in school, when they are learning about different types of foods and what things look like and what to eat and even educating the teachers and the parents about these things, because as as a parent, you don't always know all the options. You just know what you grew up with yourself. So I think that's amazing to come at it from the perspective of 
of educating the little ones through preschool programs. Yeah, I mean, I, I wholeheartedly believe that it's a big change for everyone to try to think differently, like you're saying, different foods that we didn't grow up on. But it's one of the most important things we can do for our children. It's probably the greatest gift we can give them is their health and their these healthy habits so that they can choose for themselves to live these lives. And also these healthy habits lead to a healthier environment. And without a healthy environment, we have nothing. Right. (laughs) Yeah. And what are we leaving for our kids? You know, we want to leave a healthier environment. So yeah, the, the purpose and then also the, the end, you know, if you look in the future is just such a good, you know, such a good, important reason to keep doing what you're doing. So I can see why four years later, <laughs> you're still, you're still in it, right? In it well, to win it. <laughs> you know, it's, it's interesting because for many, many times over the last 10 years of doing this project, I've lost interest more so in the last um, half. And I think a big part of it is it wasn't as exciting anymore. I knew a lot of the people and the things to do and the excitement of starting something new of being an entrepreneur, I think is something that I've only recently realized that I, it was okay to um, be able to start something and move on to something new. That was really hard for me grappling with not wanting to do this anymore when I didn't have my own kids. I think I, um, it wasn't as important to me. I was like, there's so many other things I want to do. <laughs> so I think for for women who are starting to do these new projects and as they, you know, maybe they've been working on a project for a long time or they have a new idea, I think it's great to let yourself be an entrepreneur, but also doing it to completion a little bit and knowing what that end goal is so that you can move on because there's, as I said, I'm still going on this project because once you put yourself out there, people probably want what you have to offer. Yeah. And, and if they don't, then you got to reevaluate. But what really, it took me a really long time to get where I am now, which is, I feel so blessed because folks want me to do more projects and trainings. And that's why it keeps going. Not I'm seeking them a little bit, but more so because people want it to happen and they want me to be involved in doing it. Yeah. So, um, and so at this point, are you doing it full time? Yes, I am. And I'm finally making a living from it, (laughs) (laughs) which is great. Um, yeah, so I'm doing it full time. Luckily from my grant was so beautiful. They let me create the book, put it online And then they wanted me to print them and distribute them to teachers around the state and give them trainings throughout the state. And within that, that gave me a little backbone to print um, copies for myself so I could sell them as part of my business to keep things going. And so I have the Farm to Cakey books for sale and have been um, making, have become an author, which I never thought I would be. And um, giving book talks, as well as I was supposed to be training preschool teachers throughout the state this year as well. But this is funded by our amazing Department of Health in Hawaii. And because of COVID-19, we're switching all of our trainings and resources to be online. Wow. 
how has that transition been? I mean, obviously that's very different from being in person at, just with my background doing, you know, adult ed and training and online instruction, online instruction is much differently structured than what you were doing. I'm sure with the in-person, <laughs> how, how is that different and how have you had to shift? So I'm still figuring it out. I think. <laughs> Fair enough. Because right. If you think about, you know, one of the most uh, important things about Farm to Keiki is it's hands-on. And a lot of folks are really nervous to cook or to garden or get their hands dirty. And so we need to do it together because it, and needs to watch each other because it builds confidence. And so I'm really, um, I'm building our online training right now and I'm still figuring it out as we all are in this online space but I'm just going to try to do it as much as I can to inspire folks to get their hands um you know chopping and digging in the dirt while we're doing this online training so we'll we'll see how it comes out the good thing is we have had a lot of support from Department of Health to make sure that we're using all the right online equipment and film equipment and um, website support so that it can be really awesome. And folks all around the nation can take this kind of training. So yeah, especially while um, everyone is a little nervous about their food supply or wants to be more engaged with their children and teaching them about health, because the more veggies and fruits you eat, the higher immunity gets. And we all need that right now. Yes, for sure. And so do you have a do you have a team that's working with you to help create the online instruction and resources? Right. So I have a small-ish team. It's mostly me and this is one of my faults is just doing it all by yourself. <laughs> but I have some wonderful folks that have been helping me design the website, rede- redesigning a whole new website and helping with filming things like that so and still relying on the old colleagues that I have in the farm to school world especially in Hawaii on best practices because everyone's starting to shift online so yeah really trying to connect with people it's it's proving how important those connections you are in um, even though they're not necessarily co-workers we are really important colleagues yeah, well, and you're using that community that you started, you know, what, a decade ago, and still relying on each other now, which is, you know, as things change, and especially right now so quickly, it's amazing that you still have that as a resource and as support and, and assistance. Yeah, I'm really, I feel very grateful for it. So we'll, we'll see how it goes. Um, I'm very excited about it, though, because it's actually brought, doing this online business is what it really is now is um, brought me into a whole, it feels like I'm being an entrepreneur a little bit and then I'm starting something new. Yeah. And great. So, do you feel, do you feel a sense of sort of revitalization and like interest because it's got that entrepreneurial spirit again? I do. <laughs> I'm addicted to that. I think, you know, I'm a big traveler. I like new things. all the time. So I feel like this is really exciting. And I last year did a survey of, gosh, a couple hundred preschool 
maybe about 200 preschool teachers around the state of how we can help support them. And what almost everybody said is they want a website, like a hub, a really cool farm to cakey hub where they can find all this information. So I feel like part of being an entrepreneur is listening to the folks that you're serving. And by doing this, I feel like I'm paying tribute to the time that they took to fill out my survey and creating something that they want instead of just what I've always thought they need. Yeah. And, and it sounds like too, it's almost with the timing, it's perfect too, because that is what everyone's having to go towards are those online tools and platforms. Do you want to talk about any upcoming projects? I know you mentioned having resources online. What is that going to look like for people who are interested in learning more about the Farm to Cakey program in case they want to do it with their kids themselves or if they're an educator and they want to learn about it for their classroom, you know, and their children in their classroom? So as I just mentioned, we are launching the new Farm to Cakey website. It's going to have all types of recipes and resources that are going to enable you to teach gardening, cooking, and nutrition to your kids. It is really built off supporting the information from the Farm to Cakey book. And the Farm to Cakey books are available on our website. Also, if you want to view the Farm to Cakey book for free, you can sign up for one of our or our Farm to Cakey 101 course that's going to be coming out. The course is going to be free. And it will give you the option at the end of finishing the course to view the entire Farm to Cakey book online. So if you aren't able to have to purchase a book or just want to check it out, you have the option to do that. I'm also working on doing an online learning collaborative for Farm to Cakey for our, our a few preschool teachers on Kauai. So that's the main things that are coming through the line. And right now, during this COVID crisis, I'm really trying to get on social media more <laughs> and actually I am share. Too. Yeah, just try to share um, more of my knowledge and what's in how you can involve your children in getting healthier because uh, I'm not really a social media person, but I. I know that everyone's looking to do gardening and cooking and is forced to do more home cooking. Yes. So that as well as I'm, I'm still um, writing some grants to try for at least Kauai getting some farm cakey books and gardens out to our community. That sounds amazing. And so for people who are interested in taking the course online and going through it, where would they go to find that? So they would go to my website. It's, farm2kiki.org. So F-A-R-M-T-O-K-E-I-K-I.org. So we'll have the courses on there. And um, hopefully soon in the future, we will have more than just the Farm to Cakey 101 course and have more classes on nutrition and cooking and gardening and all that good stuff. That sounds incredible. And I, I know I was so happily overwhelmed when I looked at the book online. And I literally, I went through the whole thing. I thought I was just going to skim it. But I just loved all the beautiful pictures. It was, everything was so colorful. And I loved all the activities that you had for the kids and just the educational pieces of, you know, if you want to teach how to plant, what types 
of planting you can do, whether you're putting in a row or you're sprinkling and just, you know, the amount of detail and the instructional content and, you know, the recipes. I mean, I just thought it was wonderful. So as a parent, but also coming from an instructional background, I was, I was really impressed. So congratulations for what you've accomplished with that. Well, thank you very much. I'm glad you enjoyed it. That's, that's I did. the whole purpose. <laughs> I did. So as we wrap up, I want to talk about a few important things for the listeners. And mainly if they want to pursue a similar career to yours, uh, the first question is, do you have any advice for them? You know, things to do or things to not do? I think something to do is to be bold, but humble, and to be courageous, and just go for it. But to, at the same time, to have your support. So realize who's going to be supporting you mentally, physically, financially. Have that all worked out, at least a little bit, so that, so that you won't feel like you're going to lose anything you have everything to gain. So having that confidence is part of who's surrounding you and people who are really going to pick you up. And I would say to do things and only choose the things that you really love doing every day. So sometimes I'll write a few grants and get funding and, and it's things that I just know need to happen, but it's not necessarily what I love to do. And so moving forward, I'm only choosing things I really love to do. <laughs> and I would advise <laughs> folks to do that too. We yeah. forget about that, especially for, for women who are really uh, very conscious about the things of the way they want to impact the world. They're, and realizing that there are so many of us in the world and someone's going to fill that niche and you don't have to do everything. Yeah. Um, so being really specific and really focusing I love being involved in the nonprofit world, but I also love being involved in the entrepreneurial and I would say business world. So I really recommend for people to look into something called a B Corp. And a B Corp is something that's it's a social it's a social enterprise basically in that sort of a model. I've struggled a lot with the nonprofit model over the years. And I believe that if you're going to be doing something good for the community, that there is a way that you can be funded for those projects using grant money. And there's, it's a really incredible source, uh, resource. At the same time, I think every business should have another income because it can be very stressful when you don't get those grants in. I found my perfect co-worker and someone who I wanted to continue to work with forever and I just I wasn't able to get the funding in in time to pay for her whole salary and so she had to go and do another job and we still connect and I try to hire her for little odd jobs but she's so busy now but um yeah. I think that if I had another way of income that I could actually pay for her salary at the same time I could have kept her instead of waiting for the grants that I ended up getting, but they took a year. Wow. So if you're going the nonprofit route, you'd have to, you know, being really patient and being able to take the time and also starting to work for a nonprofit, a really good one. 
<laughs> with really great leadership because they can teach you the ropes of how to secure funding for really important projects that you might not be able to make money doing some of the work you're doing. I think that makes a lot of sense. I, I don't know too much about the grant writing process, but what I do know is I know it sounds like a very time-consuming, detailed process and one that you obviously have to be patient for because a year, that's quite a while to wait for a response. Yeah, well, you know, something that I would do is start building your relationships now and start looking for best practices of people who are doing things that you really love and talking with them and not being shy to reach out and um, start building your partnerships and your trust. Because the way that I have received um, the contracts and funding I've done over the year has really been people that I've been working with over many years. And it was because they trust me because we've done projects together and we support each other. And so I couldn't emphasize enough to start building those networks and start getting involved in different working groups or um, committees, things that are in your community that, or your community or an online community um, that you could really bounce ideas off each other. I think this is especially important if you are running a business by yourself, which is brings me to my next point of try not to be a solopreneur. <laughs> I'm right now trying to unlearn being a solopreneur because I try to do everything by myself and learn everything like, oh, I'm going to learn how to become a graphic designer so because I want to make my own flyers. No, go and hire someone to do your flyers. Right. And I'm going to learn how to do all the social media stuff. No, get a... Um, what do they call the virtual assistant to help do these things? So I think from the beginning, you may have to do a lot of things on your own when you are sort of a solopreneur, but try to map out all of the things that someone else could help you with. So you don't get overwhelmed because once you're too overwhelmed, that's when you want to quit. And yeah. instead of that, just knowing when and where and who to ask help from. I think that's wonderful advice. And I, I really value, especially the idea of trying to make those connections with the community. And, you know, even going back to what you said that you're starting to rely on those connections that you made 10 years ago, again, now, because of the changing times and all the adjustment that we're all making, you know, with with the pandemic. Following up on that, what are some specific things that someone who would be interested in maybe creating farm to Kiki and their community or maybe, you know, their school, what would you recommend to someone as far as like, where would they start? What, you know, would they go and they do a Google search, you know, what kinds of education do they need? What steps would they have to take to ultimately get where you are as an educator and and helping, you know, your community in Hawaii? Sure. A really great place to start is the Farm to Keiki book. I know it's for Hawaii, but I wrote it so that anybody can pick up these lessons and adapt it to where they are because it is cultural. So you can think of what's in your own culture or in your own space to do that. Second, 
I would definitely take the new course that I'm coming out with because it's going to give you all the basic overview of what that could look like in your home or in your school. Third, I would really start experimenting with your own garden and your own farmer's market and your own cooking. Because before you can teach children or um, get these programs going, it's really important to have some experience under your belt of how things grow and how things taste so that you know how to adapt them for children. But maybe your mom or dad or auntie or uncle and you want to get your your school into this, you could approach your school or your preschool and say, hey, you know, farm to school is good for this, this, and this reasons. And I think that I'd like to help you to grow a garden. This should be part of the kids' curriculum. I think we could have healthier snacks. Here's some places. Try to research some of the places they could get local foods and different healthier menus. And talk to them about how can their education be more about food education? And how can their education be more about nutrition education? And a lot of that is what we're going to cover in more of our trainings online. But a lot of it is in the Farm to Cakey book. So you can give them the gift of it and they will have all these different lesson plans that they can incorporate year round. Because that's the biggest thing that you want to emphasize is these are things that have to happen every single day. It's not just a one month we teach nutrition all month. That's what a lot of schools yeah. do. No, this is an everyday, three times a day, breakfast, lunch, dinner, snack <laughs> kind of topic. Um, a great resource is farmtoschool.org. And farmtoschool.org has a plethora of information from around the state of how you can get started in these programs and see if there's a, um, every state has a state lead and they have lots of resources for everybody in that state of, you know, what's available. Are there, is there grant funding available? Is there, who are the organizations that are running these programs? And the more you search on that website, you'll find curriculum, farm to cakey's on there. You'll find trainings, you'll find webinars, all different types of things. So that's a great, a great place to start. Okay. Well, thank you. Yeah. Those are some great resources and I, you know, I hope that it helps listeners who might be interested in pursuing a similar path or just interested in applying it in their own home because so many of us are educating our children in all new ways now. And like you said, in cooking <laughs> more than ever. So definitely some wonderful resources to add to our own you know, knowledge and life. Yeah, I, I think as I didn't answer your question with how to pursue a similar path. Yeah. So if someone did want to pursue a similar path to you, are there steps that you think someone should start with? Like, let's say someone who's just graduating from high school, how would you suggest for them to get involved in this type of career? So I would look in your community, who is doing this work already? There may be, um, nonprofits or government agencies or even companies such as Big Green is a company who does this. I think Elon Musk's brother, um, Kimball Musk, maybe it's a nonprofit, but I'm sure they profit somehow. Um, and so <laughs> look, look at all the folks and you can find a lot of these programs on the farmtoschool.org website or just a Google search. 
see who's doing the work and ask them if you could come in and talk with them and see what kind of opportunities are available. If there's any opportunities they can hire you for, if there's, if you have an idea of something you want to do, maybe you want to be the person that goes to convince all the preschools to do this and brings them programs, then maybe you could write a grant with them and they write the grant to hire you or something of the sort. But it's really, I would say, try to find the folks who are doing this type of work in the community. It might even be um, they're not doing any farm to school work. And what they're doing is just providing more food access to people in your community. And you want to add an education branch to the work they're doing. So um, there's a lot of opportunities because there's so many organizations who are doing this kind of work. And I would jump in with them first. To close up, are there any takeaways that you have, you know, why you've kept going this many years, why you're still going? What is your favorite part of this job and why you do it every day? My primary favorite part of that keeps me going is for the earth. I, the more time I spend time in nature, the more I want to do for her. And I'm just really grateful for that. And it's, I, I know the peril we're in and I want to do something about it. So that's what keeps me going. And the other thing that keeps me going is when I stop going in my head, planning and planning and planning, and I actually get out into the community and I'm doing these trainings and I'm with real people and real teachers and they're coming to my classes with a Burger King uh, bag on their desk. And at the end, they give me a big hug. and They're like, Oh, I can't believe I brought that to the training. I never want this again. You know, that's what gets me really excited, because they're excited to make a change in their own life. And therefore, they're going to make these changes in the children's lives. And then I know, we're going to have a whole new generation of children who are healthy, caring beings for the earth and themselves. That's a really wonderful reason to continue. Both of them are wonderful reasons to continue every day. Do you feel like the fact that you were born in Hawaii helps you feel that connection because you have so much beautiful nature all around? I mean, it's one of the most gorgeous places on earth, in my opinion. Yeah, definitely. I mean, every, every day I'm out in nature and that's what I enjoy the most. I mean, kind of like nature has so many different plants and each one is so important for each ecosystem um, yeah. to thrive. And that's the same as um, people and all these women that, you know, hopefully are listening that everyone has something special to contribute and each one is so important and is really crucial that they blossom and flourish just like each flower. I love that. That's a beautiful analogy. <laughs> so I think we'll end on that note. So I want to thank you so much, Tiana, for taking your time and speaking with me about how you got here to where you are now and taking us back through all the things that you've experienced in your education and hopefully can shed some light on if people want to pursue a similar path or people are just interested in finding out more about the farm to cakey program, 
I really hope that they enjoy our conversation and I really appreciate your taking time out of your schedule to be here. Oh, mahalo, Julie. I love what you do and I'm very happy to support you and all of your listeners. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to Women With Cool Jobs. I'll be releasing a new episode every two weeks, so make sure you hit that subscribe button. And if you loved the show, please give me a five-star rating. Also, it would mean so much if you shared this episode with someone you think who would love it or would find it inspirational. And lastly, do you have ideas for future shows or do you know any rock star women with cool jobs? I would love to hear from you. You can email me at julie at womenwithcooljobs.com or you can find me on Instagram at womencooljobs. Again, that's women, cool jobs. Thank you so much for listening and have an incredible day.